हेलो पीपल गुड मॉर्निंग नमस्कार आई एम रशीद कपन वेलकमिंग यू बैक टू डी एच रेडियो हेलीकॉप्टर टैक्सीज आर एक्सट्रीमली एक्सपेंसिव एज अ मोड ऑफ अर्बन एयर मोबिलिटी सो वाई नॉट मैरी हेलीकॉप्टर एंड ड्रोन टेक्नोलॉजी टू बिल्ड अ फ्लाइंग इलेक्ट्रिक टैक्सी दिस इज द ई प्लेन ए टू सीटर टू हंड्रेड के जी पे लोड एयरक्राफ्ट दैट कैन एक्चुअली टेक यू फ्रॉम से द एयरपोर्ट टू द सिटी इन अ सीमलेस अफोर्डेबल वे we caught up with eplane's vishnu ramakrishnan at the aero india 2023 to explain what exactly is the eplane concept and how it can potentially change urban air mobility and alleviate traffic congestion listen in the end goal of a company at the moment is to build a two seater electric flying taxi uh, so the aircraft is extremely small so today the reason why you know we decided to set out on this journey the genesis for the whole idea is the founders originally wanted to do a heli taxi service and at that point you know they realized that there are two huge problems in trying to use helicopter to alleviate traffic congestions in urban spaces one is the fact that helicopters are inherently expensive because the unit economics per seat is extremely high the second problem is even if you are able to afford the cost you still have an access problem because there are not too many helipads available right so you are still stuck in traffic on your way to the helipad now that was a design constraint for when they decided back in 2019 that we will build an urban air mobility solution So in 2019 we built an extremely small subscape prototype called the E6 that can carry 6 kilos of payload. We matured subsystems to build something that we call the E50 that can carry 50 kilos of payload. Now E50 is a subscape prototype that is currently going through flight trials. The moment we have validation data and sufficient data to sort of validate the design, we will go ahead and build the E200. So the E200 is a flagship product that I spoke to you about. 200 stands for 200 kilos of payload, which will translate into two passengers. So it will be one pilot, one passenger to start with. A lot of the questions that I get initially are the fact that you know it's just one passenger. Does that even make sense? But if you look at Uber's ride data, a little over 65-67 percent of Uber's you know rides are a single passenger hailing rides, which means only one person taking the vehicle. Right? So we will start off with building something like the E200 for a single passenger. Move on, you know, vehicles of, of larger capacity. The aircraft is extremely compact. It's roughly the size of two you know Innovas or two Fortuners parked next to each other, about five and a half meters. Inherently, by doing so. Uh, what we've been able to do is reduce the constraint on landing requirements itself, which means you don't need something as big as a helipad to sort of land. And uh, the next thing is it's fully electric, which means the cost of maintenance is extremely low, and we're able to get a range of about 200 kilometers on a single charge. The way we're able to do that is because it takes off like a helicopter, transitions into something like a fixed wing. We have about three IPs filed. The most key IP here is something that we call Synergy, that allows us to sort of integrate propellers along with the lift the wing producers. Right? So that's something that we filed in about 30 countries at the moment. Right? So this IP allows us to, you know, sort of fly longer for the given, you know, battery pack that we have at the moment, right? So we are trying to sort of democratize the air travel or the urban air mobility segment itself. Fundamentally, because we want to work on a unit economics that allows for the consumers to travel at about two to one and a half times the current commute cost. If you benchmark for Uber per kilometer is about forty-one, forty-two, you'll be able to sort of take this at about one twenty or within one fifty. So at max, about two and a half times. Right? So, have you approached the government, and in what capacity? So, fundamentally, the full-scale aircraft, the E two hundred I spoke to you about, requires a certification as a civil aircraft. So, we are currently working with you know DGCA and Ministry of Civil Aviation to put a policy in place to sort of work and you know develop UAMs because at the end of the day, for civil air operations, you need the aircraft to go through a certification, and you need the operations to go through a certification. So, we've just got that process started. Typically, in a city like Bangalore. facing huge uh, traffic congestion how can the e plane be of help and realistically when do you think this can actually start flying 
So uh, fundamentally, one of the starting points that triggers itself was for urban spaces because adding more roads, right, is always an illusion. Right, no matter how much capacity we're able to add on the road, more people end up driving, and that always becomes a problem. Right. So the reason why we want to sort of go to market as a service is because we want greater asset utilization to begin with. Right. So your airport transfer. Let's assume you want to go get from MGO to the airport. On a bad day, it would probably take about two hours, ten minutes, two hours, fifteen minutes. Right. But as the crow flies, or in the air, it only will take you about fourteen, fifteen minutes for that same journey. Which means, the people are taking Uber journey to the airport. You can probably ferry ten of them in the amount of time that you know one person is ferried from the center of the city to the airport. Right? If all goes well, we will have the first prototype, the flying prototype, flying by the end of this year. Certification is then another three sixty five you know day process, about one one and a half years process. Again, if all goes well, so commercial applications we are seeing at least the pilot where we we'll start with you know one city and, and start limited operations. Early twenty five, late twenty four. That's the timelines that we are optimistically working towards. I think we have a similar concept planned in Dubai, right? Uh, have they started flying? They have not started, so they are they are not commercial trips at the moment. They are just trials. So there are a lot of EVTOL or UAM players who are tri- who are doing their initial trials with, with you know the Dubai government. And so they have a corridor there that you know sort of allows them to do that. Right. So you have a few players who are globally competing in that space who are now doing their initial trial operations. But to date, there is not a single certified UAM EVTOL that's available out there in the market. From a safety perspective, what are the issues and challenges that you can face? For the aircraft, so if you look at helicopters, they have a single point of failure because they only have one rotor blade at the end of the day. So any problem with that main rotor blade, you will sort of go into an emergency situation. If you look at the aircraft that, that we have here, it has something called distributed electric propulsion, which means it's not just one fan that keeps the vehicle up in the air; it's distributed across four different sets of fans. Right? So these four different units. At least according to design, you will be safely able to land even if one of them go off. Fundamentally, because more than the fact that you've distributed your propulsion, you also have wings. So if you look at most trainer aircrafts that you know pilots learn to fly on, that's a single engine, single propeller aircraft. Right? Even if the engine or propeller goes off, they have safety protocols that allow them to glide back. So over and above the distributed propulsion theory that I spoke to you about, you still have wings available on the aircraft. So worst case scenario, you still be able to glide through, right, to a safe landing spot. Let's assume you are not able to do that either. You have a ballistic recovery unit because the entire aircraft is extremely lightweight. It's made of carbon fiber. Right? The entire vehicle is carbon composite. It's only about thousand four hundred kilos. Right? We can put a ballistic. When I mean a ballistic recovery unit, I'm, I'm talking about a parachute. And that will just bring the vehicle down very, very safely. Right? It's, it's fairly lightweight, so it's not going to cause a lot of harm at the velocities that it will land. So, in terms of scaling up, will you be looking at big established manufacturers and OEMs? When we go to production, we will want to sort of outsource manufacturing, and we want to try and see how we can serve the consumers. We want to try and be a consumer business. That's 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 what we are looking to do. So the reason why we are taking the effort to design it is because we want to make sure that we have the most optimum product and not depend on somebody else for design. Because you want to absolutely be able to sort of offer it at the lowest cost possible. Right? That's the only way you'll be able to get more people to fly. Right? And you'll be only be able to do that if you design yourself and out and license that design out to manufacture. Will the ownership be with a private firm or a government-controlled organization? It will be operated by a private firm. It will it will be very similar to you know how you know your Uber is operated. Uber is an application that connects the demand side and the supply side. Right? So we know for a fact that there is a demand side that exists because let's assume you know Bangalore or a city like Bangalore has about two million Uber rides a month, and let's assume the top two percent is willing to pay two and a half times more. There itself, you know, your market volume speaks about the whole thing. Right? And it is actually a very thriving market. If you look at the drone regulations in India, right, they are some of the most crystallized policies for UAM applications in the world. And I was very recently, you know, in London, and you know, London does not have a very crystal clear plan on how UAMs or UAVs will operate. And as a matter of fact, if India has that, what that means is we have building blocks available. 
it's just a question of how we are assembling them together now beyond this civilian applications where do you see the e plane fit into the defense scheme of things so we've also seen a lot of you know, interest on the defense we're still trying to figure out how we will end up working with them because a lot of their applications are you know personal and cargo movement but it also needs a little bit of redesign for some of their applications because they have you know altitude constraints they want to be able to use it in you know remote places so we are in the process of figuring out how to sort of go and work with them probably not for the consumer business we got probably have to structure it a little differently if you look at the aviation ecosystem within an urban setting a place like bangalore has three major airports and a smaller one attached to the flying club right an e plane will have to go through a complex process of permissions for each take off and landing right so uh, fundamentally in the world there are two regulatory agencies right there's fa in the us and there's easa in europe so both of them have now started putting out special condition recall criteria for both operations as well as certifying the aircraft itself we will now be working towards adopting you know the easa standards that's what we are looking to adopt to define a, a uam corridor corridor between 3500 to 5000 feet where you will have these vehicles operating so they will not interfere on the flight path of your commercial airlines or your helicopters because both commercial airlines and helicopters operate at a higher altitude than this so typically what would be the range 3500 to 5000 we now try to define that as a uam corridor Have you done a projection or a mathematical modeling for the e-plane to fly from point A to point B in a typical urban setting? We are actually doing some amount of mathematical modeling. Right? Again, it's very possible because the power of algorithms to do it. Right? We will be able to automatically do route planning, right? And we'll also be able to assign a destination and takeoff pair. Let's assume you're starting from here. So the way we will try and do it is probably not take decisions on the edge, but take a decision before you take off itself. So. The moment you take off, you will already have authorization to land because you're operating within the city. Your largest or the longest trip is probably going to be about thirty kilometers, and you'll be able to do that in about fourteen, fourteen and a half minutes, right? So the moment you take off, in about fourteen minutes, you've already reached your destination, right? So the algorithm that we are working with, it's already inherently encoded or hardcoded the fact that you will not have takeoff clearance unless your destination is clear to land. And based on this, the takeoff and destination pair, your altitude gets assigned. Right, so the longer you need to go, the higher you will be assigned an altitude in that spectrum. The rest of you. And will the entire user interface be through a mobile app? Initially, yes, we will have an application that you can book it, and we will have we will probably try and see how we can get regulated landing space over and above the helipads that you already have. Right, even as a phase one, if you look at Bangalore as a city, right, BBMP mandates any building above eight or ten floors. I'm not quite sure. Right, to have a helipad for emergency situations, and the number of high rises in the city are quite high if you think about it. Right? So even if I were to let's assume not have a single additional landing spot apart from the skyscrapers, I'd still be able to operate. And I'm better in the unit economics of a helicopter, so it'll be more accessible. So what about the funding? So we are privately funded. Uh, to date, we've raised raised about five point eight million dollars, and that has given us enough runway to build the first prototype of the full scale aircraft. Uh, we are currently in our Series A fundraise. We are looking for the next round that will allow us to build a few more prototypes and put it through certification. Right now, that we are looking at about twenty twenty five you know million dollars. Just to give you a rough range, we've been extremely cost effective doing this because uh, some of the other you know market leaders in this space globally have you know sort of gone through about forty forty five million dollars before they had our sub their subscale prototype. We've been able to get our sub get our subscale prototype in under about three and a half you know four million dollars. Right, so we've also, you know, sort of done this a little effectively. Fundamentally, because we didn't aim to build the best, you know, the biggest aircraft right away. We started from E6, learned about subsystems, matured them to build the E50. Now, could you talk a little bit about the e-plane project's incubation process at the IIT Madras? 
So uh, IIT Madras has a research path, right? So IIT Madras has a research pack and it also has an incubator. So typically the process is they have events where you know you submit your idea to them and there's a round of evaluation that happens there. And post that, you know, you are awarded an incubation and incubation agreement. For your pilot flight of the e-plane, which city are you considering? Uh, so we are trying to do either Bombay or Bangalore. Uh, we're still deciding where we will sort of do that pilot. We will probably not do the entire city. We will define one one leg and sort of service customers in that leg. It could probably start with airport transfers because that's some of the first use cases most people out there globally are looking at. Right? Like, I mean, airport transfers traveling from the center of the city to the airport itself. So that's the example I spoke to you about earlier. About two and a half hours, like, if I'm able to do this in 14 minutes, you have doubled the amount of people are able to transit in that period itself. Now, one final question in two parts. One is, you have these heli-taxis doing intra-city rounds, but it has not really taken off. Two, the city corporation, the BBMP, had announced plans for helipads in eight zones across the city. Do you think this kind of infrastructure can support your e-plane project? The constraints for our design itself does not require you to have a helipad. Fundamentally, mm-hmm. because this aircraft is designed in the 21st century. So what that means is the aircraft that, that you know, we're looking at right now, has a full sensory suite of about 50 meters and 360 degrees, it's fully situationally aware. Inherently, the avionics inside knows what's happening in 50 meters and 360 degrees. Right? This is fundamentally going to be able to start using it for collision avoid. Right? So avoid and uh, detect and avoid. So the moment anything else comes away, it automatically tells the pilot that there's something else in the way. This capability right, allows you to, it's interesting what it'll end up doing. Let's assume it's going to land in a regulated space. The lidar radar combination on the aircraft will be able to tell you what the material it's going to land on is. So it has the capability of taking that call if the weight of the aircraft can be borne by that structure it's going to land on or not, inherently. Because it is supported in the most basic configuration. So I see applications for the e-plane in healthcare, disaster management and policing. You know, so today an air ambulance would cost anywhere between 6 to 11 lakhs to operate per hour. Uh, God forbid, let's assume you get airlifted. Unless your insurance covers it, most people won't be able to sort of even remotely afford it. And what the three-seater variant can do for you is a miracle. Because if I'm able to give it to you at two and a half times over cost, that's cheaper than your current ambulance itself if you think about it. The kind of use cases that will come out are very organically very, very interesting. Ambulatory is a huge market if you think about it. And that's all we have for you today. To keep you updated on all things news and views, head straight to deckinheral.com.